Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joining us by my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent. As we are here to catch up on the last couple of weeks of WWE and AEW on TV, as we've been off since uh, since uh, July 2nd. So we got some storyline stuff and to catch up on. Uh, I was at Raw this past Monday, and, and it was a fun show. I gotta admit, it's the most you know fun I've had at a wrestling event in a very long time. I've always said one of the differences between WWE and AEW is that a WWE show you kind of feel like you're like part of like a studio audience being told what to do and what not to do and at AEW you can be more free whereas this past Raw I didn't really feel that I felt like it was like a normal wrestling show where you could cheer, boo, whatever. Nobody really cared. Uh, it was the most people I've seen at the arena in a while. I mean, for most Raws, SmackDowns there, you get like a hundred, you get like all the hundred level and like maybe all the 200 level and like the 300 level is not open. But for this show, the 100 and 200 level were all sold and they've sold about a third of the 300 level, which is way more than I've ever seen probably since 20 what was it what was the Goldberg Lesnar year 2016 I think when they had Goldberg and Lesnar here at the same time um, that was almost close to a sold out show but I mean Raw has been kind of you know pretty good I think over the last few weeks we've gotten you know the Judgment Day back up as a top force here we've got Damian Priest as the Money in the Bank winner you've got Rhea kind of taking over as the you know the, the like almost like the leader of the group trying to keep things settled up between them uh, kind of just trying to get things together between everybody on Raw this past Monday. And, of course, they win the main event, which I saw the reports after about there being, like, you know, you know, quote-unquote arguments or, like, disagreements about how the match went live. I mean, you know, being there live, it did look like there were a few clunky spots. I can remember one specifically where they were trying to set up. I think Seth and Finn were trying to set up a DDT, and they just kind of both fell awkwardly. So I, I definitely saw where there was miscommunication there, but it didn't take away from the whole show overall. Uh, but Judgment Day seems to be kind of getting their spot here at the top. We've got, you know, Damian Priest, Money in the Bank winner. we got Finn looking for another title shot at Seth. We've got Rhea as the women's champion. we got Dominic even elevating his game there, too. And by the way, Dominic Heat is real. I heard it. I took part in it. He gets booed very heavily when he uh, is on the mic, no matter what he does. My only complaint was when Seth Rollins came out with his chicken wings, first of all, A, nobody in Buffalo calls them Buffalo wings. And B, if you're going to do that, you should have at least gotten wings from like one of the best places in the area rather than having that crap plate of wings that were from the arena that looked so chintzy. Uh, but that's just a personal hometown complaint. But uh, So starting here, I'll go to you, Chairman, first year, just – what are your thoughts here on Judgment Day at being the top here at Raw? And where do you think this dynamic with Finn wanting another shot at Seth and Damian Priest holding the Money in the Bank briefcase is going to go? I've been a fan of Judgment Day pretty much since the you know, formation. I mean, I've been a big fan of all those wrestlers other than Dom. But Dom grew on me. You know, the Dom Heat's real. You know, his period of Rhea Ripley's been phenomenal. You know, Cheesy Babyface Dom was the worst. It was the most cringy character of the show just about, but. He did a complete 180. We've talked about it time and time again, just him getting that mullet look and, you know, dirty Dom or prison Dom, whatever you want to call him. I mean, he's completely changed his character to someone that I am interested in. You know, Damian Priest is someone that, you know, I've just found since Maria Bonner is punching Martinez. But, I mean, there was a lot of haters on the Money in the Bank we talked about a few weeks ago. But I'm like, he's been doing a really good job, I think, as a Money in the Bank holder. I mean, he could possibly turn into a baby face if him and Finn's rift gets a little bigger. I mean, that's a story that everyone needs to keep an eye on here because obviously Damien was outside, you know, when Finn challenged Seth and obviously Finn was distracted and blamed him. They had a little squabble. It's like you said, Rhea's kind of the one that holds the glue all together. 
and then, you know she's been phenomenal from day one and i always love seeing like the pictures of her like in her debut from the may young tournament compared to now because like her character just completely changed you know she didn't want to be the charlotte barbie looking girl she became herself you know with the tattoos the dark hair you know she's pretty much that's her lifestyle you know she is who she is and she's a phenomenal worker you know i know there's some people are hating on her title reign because people are saying oh she's more involved in judgment day stuff than her own title reign but a there's not a lot of strong competitors on the raw brand right now i mean becky's tied up right now with zoe stark and trish stratus it looks like raquel gonzalez or rodriguez i'm sorry is going to be stepping up to the plate here but i mean you know a lot of the challenges kind of went from raw to smackdown which we'll talk about later but you know Rhea's finds a champion she's dominant Who's going to beat her anyway, honestly? And she's had great matches. You look at WrestleMania's past year where she beat Charlotte. Phenomenal match. You know, there's nothing, you know, bad to say about Rhea Ripley. She is the woman wrestler in the game right now. She might be top five overall wrestler right now. I mean, that's how good she is with Judgment Day and just in general. And Finn and Seth again, it's like, I'm not really sure if I want to see it again, but it's a SummerSlam, so I'll give it a shot. I'm sure it'll be a big match. I feel like their match at the last event was kind of eh-eh. I don't know, just... I felt like there's maybe more to tell, which is maybe why they're holding it back for SummerSlam. And then, like I said, Damian Priest's money in the bank thing could be really complicated. So there's a lot of stuff to see with Judgment Day going forward. I hope they don't break up, but at the same time, it could happen. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of jealousy. Do they could become belt collectors? I mean, I know they were teasing that, going for tag titles. So this is definitely one of the key stories of Raw. It's great. It's phenomenal. I like it. I hope it keeps going. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree. You know, it's one of those things where they could possibly, you know, do you kick out Finn and have turned Finn face? I don't know how, Dam- we haven't seen, when well, we've seen Damian Priest as a face before, but it's really been more with that decide to be a uh, bad bunny. So, you know, do, I don't think Damian would be the one to turn face. I think you may be looking at like a Finn Balor face turn. He kind of gets kicked out of the group like they did with Edge when um, they kicked Edge out. Um, and remember when J.D. McDonough was like possibly being looked at as a guy to join this group too? I wonder if they held off on that now that uh, they're going with a bit of a main event push for Judgment Day. But who knows what he could still be doing lurking in the background somewhere. Uh, but Cam, what are your thoughts on the whole Judgment Day story and where do you think it might go? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago, especially when Damian won and you had the little the money in the bank moment where Damian kind of sort of in a little way kind of cost Finn maybe possibly getting a win over there. I mean, I still feel like it's prime, especially if they do Finn and Seth uh, again at SummerSlam. I feel like it's kind of prime for them to kick Finn Balor out, make him go babyface. I think it'll be a nice change of pace for Finn. He's obviously can be super over as a babyface in the WWE, um, especially if Damien, Damien carrying that around, like either you put Finn and Dom as a tag team and make them go after Kevin and Sammy or you know, something else, maybe Finn goes after the Intercontinental title, because if you're going to have him be around that main event scene with Damien carrying around that briefcase, that kind of just, you know, one way or another, someone's got to go. And, you know, I could easily see a Rhea, Dom, and um, Damien Priest, three, you know, three-person stable, let Finn work his way as a, as a babyface through the crowd. You know, the WWE could always use a, another uber mid-card babyface, maybe even send him over to SmackDown, or he can go and face Austin Theory, who knows. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they've been getting their roses as the kids say, um, the last few weeks. And I think it's been well-deserved. They've been doing, been the top act on on raw for a while now, one of the top acts. So, I mean, we'll see. I think it'll be interesting. I feel like if they are going to kick out Finn, I think that's your big, one of your big moments at SummerSlam is a post-match, you know, Finn doesn't come up short and then he gets beat down by Damian and Dom and he gets kicked out of the group and, you know, 
we'll see Finn go do his own thing. Maybe even challenge Damian Priest to a one-on-one match. Yeah, it's nice to see, you know, even, you know, Triple H in charge, who knows, but, you know, getting the elevation of Damian Priest, like you said, the elevation of Dom going from, like he's like Chairman said, you know, happy-go-lucky Dom to now, you know, prison Dom with this whole look. It's, imagine, it's just great how a simple change of character can do uh, so well for somebody like this. So that's kind of the top story going on with Raw now with the world title. And over on SmackDown, we, of course, have the Roman Reigns Jay Uso story where we had uh, a few weeks ago the Money in the uh, SmackDown after Money in the Bank, Jey Uso, they had the trial of Roman Reigns. Roman on his knees crying, making it look like he's going to hand over the tribal chief reign to Jay. And then, of course, the brawl breaks out. Took up the first half hour of SmackDown and apparently peaked at over 3 million viewers for the second half of it, which is just unheard of for these days and you know for not not only that but not like not being a big lead in like when they had the lead in after thanksgiving on fox um wherever it was they had the fox football game and they had a smackdown lead in and smackdown had like four million people that's one thing but this was at like 8 20 time frame where they have three million people watching on a friday night on a network tv where they won the whole night in overall viewers i believe it was uh, for a Friday night for wrestling on a national network like that, which is un- unheard of. And it seems like, as we talk about with Jay building up here to with Jay beating, being the one to pin Roman at uh, Money in the Bank, that we're going to be getting Jay and Roman more than likely at SummerSlam uh, with, I believe they have a segment that's coming in Friday on FS1 called The Rules of Engagement. Uh, I thought Jay cut a pretty good promo this past uh, Friday on SmackDown, despite the stupid crowd from wherever they are wanting uh, Jay Uso during it, which is just dumb in this main event storyline when nobody else has been doing that anywhere the whole time. Uh, but it's a continuation of the Bloodline story. Uh, Jay is, like I said, going to be getting this main event shot. I mean, he's main event Jay for a reason. Uh, Jimmy's been taken out. I you know, think it's time. I said this last week. I mean, I said it on Twitter. I said it, you know, I'm almost to the point now where, I mean, Smack, we're still, I think, three or four weeks away from SummerSlam. But I'm almost to the point now where I don't know what else to do. I mean, we said this, how many times have we said this before? What else do we do at Roman? I think Jay has a legitimate shot to being the one to take the title off of Roman Reigns. I mean, I don't know if you can stretch out the Jay, Jimmy, Roman solo story all the way through the fall into the Rumble. Who knows? They probably can. But I look at this story and I go, I think Jay, you know, you want to make a new star? You want to make a new player? I mean, Jay has a legitimate shot as anybody. I think he has the next best shot after Cody from all of Roman's challengers, probably better than Drew too. I think we all thought it was probably a little too early for Drew to, or for Roman to lose when he fought Drew at Clash of the Castle. So why not put it on Jay? You know, have Roman go away for a bit after SummerSlam. You know, you got your fall, you got football season. So it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, you want to keep your rating up, but even if you let Roman do a little break and take away, take off two months, let Jay run with the ball. Let Jay go and have matches on SmackDown with Solo and uh, uh, Sheamus and AJ Styles and those types of guys and let him go with it and see what happens and let him sink or swim. I mean, I think the Bloodline storyline has done the Usos wonders, especially for Jay, making Jay a top main event guy in the WWE. I mean, we saw him almost win the United States title. So why not go ahead and give Jay the ball? I mean, we're still three. Like I said, I think it's uh, the first weekend of August is SummerSlam. So I could change my mind between now and then. Who the hell knows? But I, if I have on a prediction show right now, I'd probably be picking Jay to win this match. Uh, what do you think, Chairman? What are your thoughts on a potential Jay Uso beating Roman Reigns? First off, Raleigh, North Carolina, isn't that 2001? Stop the what chance. Just, just stop. It's but, Carolina. Um, they don't know any better. 
I know you're a Carolina Panthers fan. I apologize, but hey, I don't live there. That's true. I just like the team. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean Jay Uso's been phenomenal. You know, main event Jay Uso. I mean, this whole bloodline storyline has been must see cinema, as the kids say, for the last how long now? Um, but you know. I wouldn't hate it if Jey Uso won because I feel like this is the kind of wrestler that needs that rub from Roman Reigns. So and whoever beats Roman for the titles is going to propel them on a level unheard of. They will be the answer to a trivia question forever. Like this is big. Like this is like a insane moment right here for Jey Uso to get this spot at SummerSlam. And I just laughed the other night when I was watching Michael Cole was like, Oh, Jimmy Uso has got all these injuries, blah, blah, blah. Like, ah, he's got, he's got the summer off. He don't care. I mean, yeah, he might come back at SummerSlam and try to help Jay win or lose. I mean, who knows how that's going to go. The solo Sokoa factor is always a uh, big if. He actually spoke the other night, which was crazy, because I do don't ever talk. So I kind of wonder, like, from now to WrestleMania, where all the Roman pieces go. Like, are they going to hypothetically try to keep the Roman title reign all the way to WrestleMania 40? Because, you know, 40 is a big number and stuff. Or are they actually going to pull the pin here, give Jay the title, and everyone goes home happy? But then it's like Seth keeps taking shots at Roman Reigns on Twitter interviews and stuff. So it's like Survivor Series is obviously a few months away. I don't know if they're going to do that stupid Robert SmackDown crap this year or not. I mean, that's way, way down the road in a ways. But Roman's obviously limited appearances guy now. So let's just say he does retain at SummerSlam. Let's just say, okay, he probably doesn't have a title defense or big match until probably Survivor Series. And then you got Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. So, I mean, he probably only has a few more st- major stories. I mean, is there a solo Sequoia jealousy angle they play between now and then? I mean, we've seen him pick up the title and kind of question things. So, he is definitely someone to keep your eyes on right now, solo Sequoia. I don't know what role he'll play in the SummerSlam match. It's going to be definitely one of the biggest matches of the year. I mean, we've seen how awesome the tag team match was last premier live event. So, all eyes are on this. But, I mean, yeah, that's a 50-50 right now if you're to put me in the spot of asking who's going to survive SummerSlam. I still think Roman's going to win, though. But, man, that sucks because I really would be cool if Jay win it. But, you know, it's like you said before, Justin, on the other hand, him and Cody, like, I can't see a dethroner. But I will throw this out there. I would love to see a Damian Priest tease on Roman Reigns just for the peers aspect of holy shit because everyone knows that Damian's after Seth right now. But if he goes after Roman, that would be crazy. Yeah, and especially it makes it easy with all of them being in the same place storyline-wise for uh, SummerSlam. Just hearing Damian Music Priest probably get a pretty big music. Damian Priest music hit, excuse me, would probably get a pretty big pop out of the crowd. But yeah, I expect the heat level to be off the charts. I mean, every single match these guys have done, Roman Reigns has been involved in for the last year, has had so much, you know, heat. You go to back to Drew, you go to, you know, Sammy in Montreal, Cody at WrestleMania, the tag match at Money in the Bank. All of it has just been so off the charts, and yet you still people complaining, oh, it's too cinematic, you know, I want, like, a real match. Well, it's the most, it's the thing that's pretty much getting the most heat nowadays in wrestling, regardless of anything. So, if it's working for them, guess what, they're going to keep doing it. And like I said, considering they got over 3 million viewers for their segment last Friday on SmackDown, uh, I think they're going to keep doing it, and people are still liking it. Uh, What about you, Cam? What are your thoughts? I mean, I keep going back and forth, like, I feel like Jay has been positioned to be the the next world champion, and I feel like it would be a huge, huge payoff. You know, you talked about it with Sammy in Montreal and Drew when they were in the UK, you know, uh, several months ago. 
And, you know, if Jay's not the guy, then if they hold off till WrestleMania 40, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Cody. I don't really know. But, I mean, at this point, if, like, you know, Chairman said that Roman's work and select date. So if they do take the title off Roman and, you know, like I said a few weeks ago, if they take the title off Roman and put it on Jay, uh, well, one, it's well-deserved. And, two, you can finally begin the ultimate um, build to Roman versus The Rock, which, you know, we're all holding our breath for two, two, three years down the road. But, you know, like we said last WrestleMania season, if they were going to do Rock Roman, we didn't want it for the title. There was no point for it being for a title. You know, The Rock's not sticking around long enough to defend the title or anything like that. So you could you have one of your, you know, ultimate dream matches headline one of the nights at WrestleMania for Roman versus Rock. It doesn't have to be for a belt. Roman can be off for a few months, a few weeks, you know, take his time and then come back around the Rumble and, and start the build again. Um, I don't know. Like I said, when there's always these good problems, you never know what's going to happen with, in the WWE, and that's always a good thing. Um, right now, my if I had to put money right now on the SummerSlam match, I would say just do it because, you know, you had Roman take the loss at um, at Money in the Bank. You know, he got pinned, so he first time he's been pinned in three years or some crazy shit. Um, so, you know, might as well keep that streak going. There's no point in having taken a pin. And then winning again and then going on another lengthy four, five, six-month reign. It's kind of almost like when The Undertaker lost to Brock, and then the next year he beat um, Bray Wyatt at the next WrestleMania. It's like, okay, well, why are we doing this? He's already lost. Like, let him put over this guy, too. Like, who cares? Um, But, yeah, I mean, if they're going to do it, I think the time is now. And Roman can take some time off. Jay can defend the title against Solo, you know, for a month or two. And then, you know, we can see position himself to maybe take on Cody at – at Mania or Seth or anybody like that that was obviously deserving of a shot or maybe it'll open up the gates finally for my boy Gunther. He can lose the Intercontinental title and he can face Jey Uso at WrestleMania for the WWE title. And also on SmackDown we have a very full a women's uh, world, a women's title picture as well as we got Asuka as champion we had Asuka versus Bianca end in disqualification this past Friday when Charlotte and uh, Bailey and Io all got involved, despite being ticket holders. And as I said on Twitter, setting a very bad example for future ticket holders who they think they could just jump the barricade and interfere in matches. But Io almost cashing in again, giving the briefcase to Bailey, and then Bailey got missed it in the eyes by Asuka. So that was that failed that cash in. So it seems like we're going to get this going for a few weeks, maybe as Io continues to tease, possibly cashing in her money in the bank contract that she still is now the second longest holder of that. Uh, but all these women involved, there's been talk of Charlotte versus Bailey versus Io or Charlotte versus Bailey versus Oscar, excuse me at SummerSlam. Do you involve Io? Do you involve Bailey? Uh, it seems like they're going to be the top five women over there on, on the SmackDown side of things. I know we had Bailey cut off a piece of Shotzi's hair and we had Shotzi shave her head this past uh, Friday on SmackDown on TV also because her sister was just uh, diagnosed with cancer. So it was kind of a way in solidarity with her too. So that's a nice touch to add too. but Hey, you've got all six of these women involved. Guess what? Throw them in a hell in a cell. I don't care. Let that tease go there where you got Charlotte, uh, Bianca, Asuka, Io, Bailey, and Shotzi throw them all in a Hell in a Cell match at SummerSlam if you can hold that thing in Detroit and Ford Field or hell, if do it on the SmackDown before if you really want to and let those women go at it. But I don't know. I continue to just sit here. I mean, we talked about it when she came back. It's like, okay, Charlotte's here again. Charlotte's going after a title. Can Charlotte just please once for her life be involved in a match that doesn't involve a championship? Like, I would love, or a few guys just say even, that it doesn't involve the title. Like, let her go off and feud with somebody that's, like, 
not involved in the title picture. I don't know why. It seems like the only thing she has to do. Uh, even Bianca at this point is getting a little tired in the t- title picture. I would love to just see Asuka go and actually have title feuds with like an EO, with uh, Shotzi, with uh, Zelina Vega, those kinds of women on uh, on the SmackDown side of things, rather than just seeing the same old, same old that we've been getting from Charlotte and Bianca being the ones in the main title picture. Plus, it also seems like that Asuka is like the th- secondary even third like person in this like program it's like you got charlotte and bianca getting the attention you got eo getting the attention it's like oh yeah and asuka she's a champion that everybody's chasing but it seems like she gets the least notoriety out of all of them and then on the raw side of things with the women we seems like we're going toward uh Rhea versus raquel at SummerSlam at this point and we've got becky who becky who actually took a loss to zoe stark this past monday on raw which i was kind of surprised about but it seems like they're probably still setting up some kind of Becky Trish program down the line there. Uh, we've got a tag title match coming up this coming Monday on Raw with Liv and Raquel defending against Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. So there's secondary feuds going on in the women's division. And, and you got, you know, even you got Mia Yim or Mia Chin, whatever you want to call her, uh, going off on a little side thing with Scarlett with, you know, with the whole AJ Styles carrying cross thing there, too. So there's a lot of women's programs going on right now at the moment. And I feel like, you know, we talked about this before where it seemed like the women's division was struggling a little bit when it came to, um, you know, having actual programs outside of the title picture. But it seems like with all of these little secondary feuds they have going on right now, like even adding Bailey Shotzi to the mix too, I feel like the women's division's probably getting the most attention it's gotten since Triple H has taken over. And honestly, I think that is, is a, a good thing, obviously, for all the women involved, and it's a good thing for TV because it gives all these women more TV time than they've been used to getting these last few months. Uh, would you agree, Chairman? Oh, big times like SummerSlam. There could be a healthy amount of women's matches on this card with really good stories backing them up. I mean, you got you know Rhea's obviously probably defending against Raquel. You're gonna have. Who knows what the Asuka situation is looking like. It's probably be a triple threat match, I would imagine, you know, right now. But, you know, the EOS guy factor is the money in the bank, and she's been a phenomenal, hilarious, so briefcase holder. She's doing it the right way, you know. And it's one of those things, like, Bailey's kind of, like, trying to help her cash in, but you're kind of wondering if Bailey's going to hose her over or if they're going to face each other for the briefcase. So I'm really curious how that storyline is going to play out, you know, and you throw in the Shotzi factor as well. And then, you know, you got Liv Morgan with Raquel as the tag champions. It's There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, Becky, unlike Charlotte, can actually have a feud that involving the championship. I think the last time Charlotte actually had a feud without the championship was when Lacey Evans was trying to bang old man Rick, and that was gross and a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, and I agree with you. Bianca, she's kind of, you know, she had a great long reign as champion, but now she's trying to get back in there too. So hopefully after SummerSlam, and I don't even know. It's like, I mean, Asuka's, is, I totally agree with you, Justin. Asuka feels like the back burner out of all these women kind of in that scene right now. So it's definitely getting interesting, like, where all this is all going to end up. You know, I think SummerSlam's going to be really good for the women. You know, great showcases. You know, even Chelsea Green, Sonya Deville have been doing a phenomenal job. Selena Vega's getting more, you know, airtime. You know, Shotzi's getting some airtime. You know, we're just a big Natalia you know, a match away and we'll have the whole package. 
that was the first music that I heard on Monday at Raw. She wrestled in a dark match, and I just said, "Oh, you got to be kidding me!" Which is right. And actually, the two matches that were before Raw were actually also both women's matches. It was Natty and oh god, who I don't even remember who Natty was fighting. Um, because it was oh man, now I'm blanking. It was uh, who was the second? Because the second match was Indy Hartwell and Dana Brooke. So I think it was Natty. Uh, maybe it was uh, Katana Chance. That's who it was. Um, I think that's who actually ended up fighting her. Uh, oh, God, let me bring up... Oh, I, I had erased that Lacey Evans, Ric Flair, Charlotte uh, or Charlotte stuff from my memory. Now it's brought back up in there. I, was, I think that was one of the last things before COVID, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I had erased that from my memory. Thanks for bringing that back, Chairman. Uh, Cam, what are your thoughts on the women's division as a whole right now in WWE? Yeah, man, that's probably the most interesting thing Charlotte's probably ever done in her WWE career is uh, defend the honor of Ric Flair, you know? Um, I mean, I I feel like, you know, on the Raw side, when you have Becky and Trish, I think that's your one of your three main women matches coming into SummerSlam. I, I feel like that's pretty much set in stone. You know, maybe some sort of Iron Woman match or no DQ match or something along those lines. They can't just have another standard match. They need to have some sort of gimmick match or, like I said, last woman standing, something along along those lines. Um, I'm still kind of waiting for EO to kind of kick Bailey to the curb. I thought it was going to happen, you know, right after Money in the Bank. Like, hey, you know, Dakota's gone. I don't need you anymore. Like, you're clearly trying to hold me back. So they're kind of having EO play a little bit of like a, a goofy baby face carrying around that thing. Like, at some point, we all know Bailey's going to turn on her. Um, her versus Bailey at SummerSlam could be a good match. You know, they could just end up fighting for the briefcase. I was championing for that for you know i picked trish to win money in the bank and then have her and becky fight over the briefcase at SummerSlam. but they could easily go that route with eo and bailey and then that'll be a f- finally the the finishing touches of the damage control um feud or the damage control stable being completely done with um and then charlotte i don't know i i feel like they're gonna force a triple threat match down our throat i feel like it's gonna be oscar charlotte and bianca belair and you know cross our fingers that Oscar doesn't have to, you know, not get pinned and lose the match just so Charlotte can be like the champion for the 40th time or whatever she's trying to work on right now. Um, I mean, just have her and Bianca go one-on-one or have a number one contenders match. They don't ever do those anymore. Have them wrestle each other in a number one contenders match. I don't know something, but you know, like I feel like, like you said, chairman, or excuse me, Justin, that Oscar's kind of playing third fiddle right now with all these women. And, you know, triple H did a really good job of, bringing her back to the forefront putting the title on her and you know making her seem like the top woman you know as far as the smackdown side goes but you know like i said you know you put in four or five six women and she kind of is starting to play that third fiddle where you know she needs to be the main main factor of that and if you split them up you know i mean i'm not opposed to them doing like a hell in the cell six women match or a ladder match or something along those lines um just to get everyone involved so to speak but at the same time, at some point, we need to get back to some singles feuds. And like I said, have her face Shotzi. You know, her and EO obviously will be a fantastic match. Um, so we're just looking for a little bit more clarity. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts for the women, which is always better than them not really doing much at all. Meanwhile, I guess if you want to go to the to the quote-unquote mid-card side of things in the WWE as far as their two titles go on the Intercontinental title side, it looks like we're building toward Gunther versus Drew McIntyre more than likely at SummerSlam. And we've talked about it before on the show that Gunther is about, I think, 60 days away from passing Honky Tonk Man as the longest reigning Intercontinental champion of all time. So 
it's one of those things where I don't think they're going to get to a point where you go, okay, well, let's just have Drew win it and end it 30 days beforehand. Because, I mean, I know I know it's the only thing left holding Honky Tonk Man in the minds of wrestling fans is him being number one on that list. But, I mean, I think Gunther is going to be the guy to pass it considering Gunther's having probably the greatest intercontinental title reign of all time. I mean, just how many – this guy's had the second longest reign now. He's having classic matches left and right with everybody. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to pass Honky Tonk Man's uh, longest reigning intercontinental championship reign. And then it's completely different. It's funny. You look at that and how strongly Gunther's being built on the intercontinental title side on Raw – and then on SmackDown, you got Austin Theory, who we've got two. Uh, we had a, fa- a fatal four-way uh, U.S. title, or they call it an Invitational, this past week that Santos Escobar won. And we got another one this coming Friday on SmackDown with um, Sheamus, Rey Mysterio, Cameron Grimes, and of course our boy L.A. Knight, who was got the chance to go out there and cut a great promo in front of the crowd as they were doing pre-tapes for the other three competitors. And then they let L.A. Knight go out there and cut a promo in front of the crowd, which was just great. The whole crowd was into it the entire time. I mean, he is over. I mean, he, I'd be stunned if he's not going to be the guy to win this coming Friday in SmackDown and Alta Beast. Also beat Santos Escobar and challenge LA or challenge Austin Theory on at probably at SummerSlam for the title. But man, Austin Theory is out there getting eviscerated by Michael Cole on commentary where the crowd's chanting, this is awesome. And Michael Cole says something along the lines of, they never said anything like that for uh, for your matches. And Theory's just sitting there in like stone silence. Like this is a chance for you to... Because you're assuming Vince isn't back there on headset, so you got a little bit more leeway on commentary. Like, you're supposed to be as the heel going out there, you know, even, you can't let the main announcer, even if you're a face, just a kind of eviscerate you like that. And he's just taking it from Cole. And, I mean, I said before on the show that, you know, Theory's young, he's 24, he has time to kind of rebuild and, you know, reshape his character. I mean, you can't really go back to what he was in NXT with the whole, you know, dumb jock gimmick, because that would just look stupid at this point, considering the push he did get. But, I mean, he can he can tweak things. It's not like he's, you know, in his mid-30s and this is not his last legs. He has plenty of time to go and kind of redeem himself and reshape himself and be able to go and be something new. But I think it's time to end that experiment for now. Get him off TV for a little bit. You know, keep him working dark matches or house shows. But it's time to put the title on somebody new. And, of course, I'm going to say L.A. Knight because, you know, he's our guy. But he is so over at this point. It'd be stunning if they didn't put the title on him at SummerSlam. Uh, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I don't know if LA Knight's going to, they're ever going to consider him getting up to the world title 16, considering how over he is getting, but he's got the number one selling shirt on WWE.com. I think he's all, I think he's got the top two, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, people come out there and say, oh, he's not a good wrestler. Well, guess what? He's over. And if the guy's over, that's going to make his matches great, even if he's not the best wrestler in the world. You add in a great crowd mix to the idea that, you know, it ha- and it helps this wrestler out. It makes everything better. So I think it's time for him to shine over there on SmackDown. And like I said, it's just night and day how the champions appear, uh, the mid-card champions appear in on Raw compared to SmackDown. Uh, your thoughts, Chairman? Hey, you know, my thoughts on the current United States. Oh, yeah, I got to ask you twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely need to uh, pull the old pin. I don't know why we're waiting until SummerSlam. I say we have Santos Escobar face LA Knight or somebody else because, yeah, I'd rather see Santos and LA Knight or LA Knight in a wet paper bag fight at SummerSlam than the current champion. You get eviscerated on commentary by Michael Cole, bro, you're done. Like, go back to NXT and. 
you're, you're below Grayson Waller, you're below Cameron Grimes, who I totally forgot was even on SmackDown until the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's on that show. I mean, that's how much they use him. It's, like, weird. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Sheamus, I guess, is in this Fatal 4-Way coming up, and so is Rey Mysterio, I think, right? It's kind of crazy. But it's like, I got thinking, like, what if Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar have to fight for the number one contender spot? Some LA, LWO uh, friction could happen. But, yeah, I mean, if, if, if LA Knight and Santos fight, Justin, you're going to be in a predicament because I know Santos was your old boy, you know, a few years ago. So I don't know if you moved on or where your thoughts are going to be with that. Oh, yeah, I'd be on the LA Knight bandwagon now. Yeah, Santos has been put to the side. Yep, yep. Poor guy. And there's not there's nothing else we can say really about Gunther. I mean, we all know how uh, phenomenal he is, and we've talked time and time again about him. And Matt, Drew McIntyre and this Matt Riddle pairing is really, really weird, by the way. Like, I don't understand it. Like, maybe it's just because they both want Gunther, but I I, I don't know. This pairing ain't working for me. It's, it's no um, RK bro, by the way. I mean, it's – I don't know where Randy Orton is. I keep saying he's coming back, but he's not coming back. It's like, what, what's going on with Randy Orton? It's the biggest mystery of them all. But, like, I don't know. Riddle's just kind of there. They're all just beating up um, Guther's stooges. Like, I don't know how much longer until he just realizes that Kaiser and Giovanni are garbage and kicks them all out and replaces them. But I think there was some tension. I think, you know, even Ludwig's all like, oh, I don't want to hang out with this guy anymore because he got fifth the other night. So, I don't know. Maybe Imperium's going to split up. and Guther's going to be better off by himself, honestly, in the long term. Unless he gets, like, more better pairings of henchmen. So, there's a lot to see in the mid-card title pictures. But obviously the biggest things are Guther needs to beat the Honky Tonk Man's reign and a new United States champion is needed ASAP. And I think another big failure of theory before I go over to Cam is that the fact that they never capitalized off that John Cena win at WrestleMania. Like he beat Cena and then they never really did anything new or good with him after that. It's like after a big win like that, you should be out there like promoting the hell out of this guy, you know, getting him more TV time, giving him the chance. And instead he just kind of, did the same thing he did since before then, where he didn't really elevate his game at all. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the mid-card scene here, uh, Cam, before we move on? I mean, I feel like, excuse me, I feel like Austin Theory kind of has hit uh, the quote-unquote glass ceiling for a while. Um, he grew a lot. You know, we, we gave him a bunch of shit for a couple years. But he grew into his character. He grew into being the U.S. champion. But like you said, I feel like Grayson Waller's career has been affected more by exchanging a promo with Cena than Austin Theory did beating him at WrestleMania. And that's that's pretty crazy to think that Grayson Waller getting promo time with Cena at Money in the Bank did more for Grayson Waller than an Austin Theory win at WrestleMania. And he's had um, a promo so, time and match with that, sorry, uh, like last week on SmackDown too. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like if they didn't really do nothing with it. Theory didn't like take his time. Like maybe, you know, maybe Triple H didn't have great plans for you after that. But that's where you need to elevate yourself. You need to cut promos and remind the crowd that you beat Cena and all these things. But, yeah, he hasn't really done much. Um, his time is up. We've talked about it. I mean, LA Knight beating him at SummerSlam is going to get a huge pop. I mean, that's that's the goal, right? They're, they're, there's no other way to get there. You know, Sheamus, Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar, anybody that you can name. You know, right now it's, it's LA Knight's time, and I feel like he has earned it. He deserves it. He's super over. Um it's time to, to change things up. And I think theory needs to kind of reevaluate things and maybe change his game up a little bit and rework on some stuff because he's gotten really comfortable as the U S champion, but he hasn't really done anything with it these past, what, six, seven, eight months. Now 
you know, so it's he needs to regroup and maybe take some not necessarily take some time off, but get pushed down the card a little bit and kind of come up with a new game plan. Um, now, on the flip side of things, you know, I'm huge Gunther fan. You know, he's going to probably pass up Honky Talk Man, but Drew McIntyre, him coming back, people loved it. It was super over. Um, if Gunther's going to move up the card and try to start elevating himself towards that world title, especially if Jey Uso is the one that beats Roman, um, you know, the flip side things on Raw, you know, if he wanted to go after Seth Rollins, um, there's a lot of opportunity there. So if Gunther does lose to Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. I don't think it necessarily is the worst thing. Like, yeah, he doesn't pass Honky Tonk Man's reign. It's probably written somewhere in WWE Stone that Honky Tonk Man has to be the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, considering all the great Intercontinental Champions we've had throughout history that no one's passed his reign yet. So there's got to be some sort of weird written in stone somewhere in WWE headquarters. It's written in with the original bricks that Honky Tonk Man can never, you know, get. He has to be the longest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Um, that or he can't go work these conventions anymore. So we're taking money, we're taking food off his table if we're trying to have to pass him up, guys. So let's think about Honky Tonk's man's uh, family. He needs to feed or himself or whatever he's got going on. He seems like a cat person, so he probably has twenty cats running around his house. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely Gunther and, and Sheamus will be, or excuse me, Drew McIntyre will be fantastic at SummerSlam. Um, they could even stretch it if they want to. If Gunther wins the first time by some sort of cheating way and you want to extend it into Survivor Series maybe or something along those lines, and then have Sheamus, or um, have, keep saying Sheamus, uh, have Drew McIntyre beat uh, Gunther maybe at Survivor Series, then that definitely poises Gunther to be the Royal Rumble winner this coming year, even though I picked him last year, but Cody ended up winning it. Uh, he took second, so I think maybe this is the year that he finally gets that push, and maybe next time, this year, this time next year at WrestleMania, he's facing Seth or Jey Uso or anybody, whoever's the champion at that time. All right, let's move over to the AEW side of things because this coming Wednesday, we have the Blood and Guts annual Blood and Guts match taking place with the Blackpool Combat Club uh, with the addition of Pac being the fifth person for the team this coming uh, this coming Wednesday, taking on the Golden Elite with the, with the debut of Kota Ibushi in AEW. So, this is where we're going with this blood and guts match. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this match is kind of, I mean, this is going to be our third one. I feel like the two before this were much more heated, much more of a detailed feud. Uh, when you look at this one, it's like these guys are just, I don't know. Like I haven't felt this one exactly clicking when it comes to feeling like it's an actual blood feud. I mean, maybe it's part of it being, you know, it's the bucks in it. I don't know. Um, you know, Kota, the guys being thrown into it last minute, like Pac and Kota Ibushi, who knows, but that's going to be their big match this coming Wednesday. We also have the, um, well, before we get into anything else on the show, just, I'll go to you, Chairman, first here. Here's your thoughts on the uh, Blood and Guts match coming up. Are you feeling it as much as you have the other two past matches? Um, there's slight interest. I mean, I think mainly just because, like, you know, we're getting... Kota Bushi now and you know there's been some stuff with you know the elite and you know the Don Callis and getting his new boy you know Takesha or the frick his name is I can't remember his damn name I can't pronounce it I'm terrible I just know he has a jacket now and he's badass heel but I mean obviously some unfortunate things happen if you know like Brian Danielson can't do the match but I mean looking back I mean this match will probably be better than the first one I mean the first one probably had a better build to it but let's be remember we had some super scrubs in that first one, like Sean Spears, who was complete garbage. 
And, you know, I mean, we had some great people too, like, you know, you know, MJF and, you know, the great FTR and Sammy, you know, those guys, but like Jake Hager still around that match too. So, I mean, the first one wasn't all that great, you know, versus last year's was pretty solid though. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. It's, it's there. I almost think this should be on pay-per-view, honestly, because these kind of matches of a lot of commercial breaks kind of kills the momentum, but that's my take. Yeah, I'm with you, especially, like, when you watch, if you ever watch old War Games matches, you, like, imagine having, like, a WCW War Games match to be, have a commercial break or, like, even just a picture-in-picture during it. It just seems, uh, it would seem a little off. I mean, even WWE doesn't do that with their NXT War Games-type matches, so uh, that's something to think of there, too. But uh, what about you, Cam? What are your thoughts on this upcoming Blood and Guts match? I still find it like completely hilarious that Daniel Brian Danielson just doesn't work AEW shows or very seldomly. Like that's what you talked about a, a few weeks ago, a month ago about him being in the G1 because I was like, there's no way he's not saving all these bumps so he can go wrestle in Japan. He's not on G1, so like, why is he not in this feud? I don't understand. Is he really biding his time with how many matches he physically has left in his body? Um, I do not know. Um, my peak level, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're they're still just trying to force it down our throats. It doesn't it hasn't really felt organic. Um, it feels a little bit forced, like, hey, these are our top guys, and they're going to wrestle in the match that, you know, we're going to have one of these matches every year. So it kind of feels like Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series, where, like, we know come this time of the year, 10 guys are going to be forced to go into this blood feud with each other because Tony Khan wants... AEW to be remembered for basically copying fucking New Japan and having blood and gut matches and stadium stampedes, which are cool. But at the same time, you know, it's overkill. It's like when the WWE did Hell in the Cell pay-per-views every single year and the matches are inside Hell in the Cell. Like, do these matches need to be in Hell in the Cell? Not necessarily. But hey, that's the name of the pay-per-view, so these guys are fighting in the Hell in the Cell. So we're starting to borderline on that territory. Um, the Blackpool Combat Club is supposed to be like this group of badass misfits who just beat the shit out of these guys and if they can't beat the young bucks in a fucking hardcore match like if john moxley who wrestles hardcore matches against nick gage in front of 30 people can't beat these guys it's kind of a slap in the face and that's the way we're going we got we brought in kotu bushi you know the golden lovers the golden elite whatever the hell you want to call them they're gonna win this match and then Moxley and Claudio and these guys tuck their tails in between their legs and show up the next week and act like badasses again. So storytelling-wise, it doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense. Um, you should have Blackpool Combat Club beat the shit out of these guys, leave them all bloody, broken, torn down, and then, you know, build up, um, you know, Pac, who's back. Um, we always say his name wrong. Takis, Takik. <laughs> I can't say it because I'm trying to say it correctly, but oh, I'm so bad at it. But you need to build these guys up and make them more badasses because right now you know you got moxley who's the leader you got daniel bryan who doesn't wrestle um claudio who's one of the 50 ring of honor champions that a ring of honor has and then you got willer yuda you know we always like to pick on willer yuda but you know he's kind of like the he's the new guy you know he's the he's the guy that takes the pinfall or takes the pinfall losses and stuff in the group which is fine but you know i'm not my interest is kind of whatever because afterwards like what's going to happen then you're going to have Kenny and Kota maybe go after FTR, which I wouldn't mind. I think that would be some fantastic television if you had Kenny and, and Kota team up and go after, you know, the tag team titles. But this whole, like, Golden Elite thing, I don't know. I, I, it rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. And at some point, 
I've said this a million fucking times. CM Punk needs to wrestle one of these guys because that's where the real money is. The money is not in Blood and Guts, Blackpool Combat Club versus Golden Elite. The real money is in FTR and CM Punk versus Kenny and the Bucks or Hangman and the Bucks or whatever you want to do. But right now they're kind of just bullshitting. Um, they're doing these matches. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't like it that much. I feel like it's being forced down our throats. Yeah, because I should have asked you for you guys to pick your winners. But I'm assuming Cam, you're going to pick the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Elite. I feel like store. If I'm booking it, I would go with Black Blackpool Combat Club, leading these guys a bloody mess, and you know, Kota maybe even questioning coming over to the states. And you could do a lot of like inner stuff with the with the Golden Elite. But these guys are, you know, whatever AEW supermarks want to say and die on their hill about the fucking about AEW that these guys have a say they're in Tony Khan's ear. They have, you know, we want this certain stuff being booked and you can't tell me why is that this isn't fucking WCW circa 1997, 1998. And these guys are the NWO and they're booking themselves into these positions and they're going to win the match and they're going to look, look strong, quote unquote, look strong. And we're all going to be pissed off. And the guys that should be, you know, who are the blood and guts of this promotion are going to take a loss. Brian's not wrestling. I mean, I don't know. I just don't like it at all. And I, yeah, I mean, the Golden Elite's going to win despite my not wanting them to. Yeah, I would go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and do the opposite and hope that they're smart and picked, uh, had the Blackpool Combat Club win. Because really, I mean, if they lose this match, it's like, okay, what's even the point then going forward? Like you said, we know Brian Danielson can't wrestle in these right now because he's hurt. And it's just like, these guys need a win to do something. And if they don't win, I guess you could try, probably just break them up and give Moxley a break at some point. But I don't know. Like, I feel like they need this win more than the, the Golden Elite would. Um, who are you going to pick, Chairman? I mean, the Golden Elite pretty much are booking things right i mean they say they're not but they're they're booking themselves to win you bring kota bushi in there's no way they're gonna lose this right i mean they could but i don't see it and then also this coming wednesday we have the finals of the the blind blind eliminator tag tag team tournament for a shot at the aw tag titles excuse me where we've got uh daniel garcia and sammy guevara taking on the team of adam cole and mjf and we've been getting the Adam Cole, MJF hijinks over the last few weeks here with, of course, MJF and the same storyline. I feel like he's done in every single feud that he's been in so far where he pretends to buddy up to the guy that he's going to be fighting and make it seem like he's going to be a babyface, And then at the last second turns on him and shows that he's really a heel because that's been the same program he's been doing with MJF since he's been champ. And I mean, don't get me wrong. MJF is a terrific character. I think he how when he's the material he's given for this stuff, he's been doing good. But they got to come up with something new for him to do either that or I feel like if they really want to switch things up, they could just completely change it up and actually have Cole be the one to turn on MJF because we're still here. The crowd still wants to cheer for MJF and you can make him still be the, you know, the same cocky douchebag kind of guy he is, but have him getting cheered at the same time. I mean. I'm not saying MJF is The Rock, so please don't take this the wrong way. But look at The Rock. The Rock's heel and face, you know, persona, mannerisms, sayings, promos, 
didn't really change when he went from being a heel in 98 into 99 into when he became a face in 99 to 2000. He was doing the same stuff. It's just the crowd loved it so much that he wanted to cheer him. So you just have MJF keep doing the same stuff. It spices up Adam Cole a little bit because Adam Cole has been so bland as a baby face. I mean, we had that whole cake segment a few weeks ago, which I thought was so dumb with MJF ending up in the cake. Like, come on, guys, really? This is like Vince WWE stuff you're doing here. But if you're actually reverse the roles here and have MJF kind of be a face, don't change anything. I think it helps AEW TV a little bit. And it hasn't helped that, you know, since MJF has been champ, the ratings have been down. And maybe changing him into a baby face is something that elevates him. I think, you know, we talk about, like Cam brought up, how Punk needs to feud with Omega and the Bucks and the Elite. That's got to happen soon. Otherwise, if they wait till, like, I don't know, like next year, the end of the year to do it or some other time. People aren't going to be as interested. It's one of those things where I feel like if it didn't strike while the iron was hot, I don't know if they're actually going to end up doing it. When I, I was actually under the impression that we may be getting Punk, who could have won the Owen Hart tournament last night, but instead Ricky Starks ended up winning. And then you do MJF versus Punk with Punk saying he has his championship that he never lost. MJF being the champion of his own. And there is your uh, main event for All Out, I'm assuming, even though, you know, it's all ins also the week before, and I saw a report the other day from I think it was Andrew, I forget his last name, Zarian, that said there's talk that they're gonna put all in on pay per view the week before all out. So I mean, we already have problems enough spending fifty bucks on one pay per view unless they're doing some kind of double deal for that. I don't want to see how anybody would spend uh this like full price for two pay per views that are within I think ten days of each other. But I don't know, like, like I said, MJF has been performing well, but the fact that he's doing the same storyline over and over, and it's probably going to end up with this match on uh, Wednesday with MJF turning on Cole, like always, where I would rather see, like I said, the roles reversed and have Cole turn on MJF and then actually give him like a beatdown, beatdown with maybe you bring back, I don't know if when Roderick or Roderick Strong or Kyle O'Reilly's going to be able to come back, one of those guys come back and help him out and then go from there, but... I feel like we're going to get the same result that we've seen for every single other MJF storyline we've had over the last, you know, however long, how long has he been champion ever since that whole time. Uh, but chairman, your thoughts on this MJF Cole story. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I think the Adam Cole MJF stuff has been funny. I think it's been entertaining. I mean, they made a t-shirt for it and it's definitely given a weird perspective, but entertaining perspective at the same time to MJF and Adam Cole seems to be more sympathetic week by week, but you know, you pretty much nailed it all just in that, you know, it's the same story of MGF, you know, he warms up to somebody, he, you know, we've seen it with Jericho, you know, he's buddy, buddy with him, you know, and then all of a sudden he turns on him. It's, I mean, I would completely agree with you hundred percent. I would love to see Adam Cole be the one to stick the knife in the back and turn it, you know, that would be great. But here's the thing I hate about this story. It's great as it is. MGF is the world champion. And these two guys are fighting for a potential tag team championship match. Now you're telling me a roster full of guys like Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And no one's interested in the world championship at all. No one's calling MJF out for a title match. No one is interested in him at all. All they care about right now is him playing buddy, buddy with Adam Cole, trying to win tag team championships. You know, you got a giant roster of wrestlers and no one wants to be a world champion. I find that a little terrible, but then again, considering Tony Khan can't book right now, that's where my opinion is at with that. So they probably have no idea who's fighting who at all in, all out, all above, all below. That's where the range are going. It's below, by the way. It's 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 stupid. Your world champion should be 
defend the title engaged. This is why Roman Reigns title reign is insanely amazing. And MJF's has been a giant flop. All right. How about you, Cam? What are your thoughts on the MJF uh, Cole story here? I mean, logic tells us that MJF turns on Adam Cole, blah, blah, blah. Um, Tony Khan could just be really in love with the WWE way of booking and say, screw it and have these guys go all the way, have them face FTR for the titles, have them beat FTR for the titles. Fuck it. Who cares? Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it completely flabbergasted me that no one has stepped up to MGF. It's the same, you know, dog and pony show. You know, it's so similar to what they just did with him and Sammy Guevara like a month ago. Like, come on, like you're just intertwining guys. Um, Adam Cole's not dumb. Maybe Cole's the one that turns on him, and you get a you get a one on one match. I don't know, but at some point, it's going to lead to them wrestling for the title at some point. Um, does Tony Khan have the balls to take the title off MGF and put it on Adam Cole? We'll see. Um, I mean, why not? In my opinion, if you're going to do it, if you stretch it to all in, in, in England, the, the crowd would go crazy. If MGF loses the title to Adam Cole, um, who knows? And then like to kind of touch on their double pay-per-view, like I was reading that they're going to do a, a two for one prize or something where it'd probably be like 70, 80 bucks for two pay-per-views, which is still, I mean, kind of crazy to me at this point. Like, you're hooked up with Warner Brothers. You know, just put put AEW on HBO Max or Max now, as it's called. Just do it. Like, what are you guys waiting for? Um, I understand you guys love that you guys sell some pay-per-views. That's fine. But, you know, I'm not a mathematician here, but if you have a, a $5, 10 a month subscription fee times close to a million people, that's a lot more than a few hundred thousand pay-per-view buys, even if you get five, 600,000 pay-per-view buys. You know, you could do what everyone else is doing, the UFC, WWE, um, be smart here and go to a streaming service because two pay-per-views in a row, just like they're having this problem, you know, this past week on Dynamite, the crowd, you know, they they, they moved the crowd down so the hard camera side looked full, which is typical of pro wrestling. But, you know, I saw a picture about 15 minutes into the show where the crowd was, the arena was a third full. And that's because they, Tony Khan thought that he could really book like a three-week excursion into Canada and go to the most obscure towns in Canada for, for Collision and for Dynamite, and they would sell. And it's like, no, dude, you just did Forbidden Door in Toronto. Even the WWE is not this stupid. The WWE will work a big show. They'll have Raw in the same town the next night, and then they move on. There is no point. They're just hanging out in Canada. And to CM Punk's detriment, they're having him work – Regina, Canada, wherever the fuck that is in, in the eastern part of Canada. I'm sure Justin might know because he's he's a little bit closer over there than Chairman and I are, but I have no idea where these towns are. Um, from what I read, that that Regina city is really hard to like get to the venue, and it's like, what are you guys even doing? Why are you putting your talent through this? Work the two shows in Canada and come back. Now they're, doing, they're doubling down on two pay-per-views, and it's like I really thought when they announced All In, that that would kind of be all in and all out at the same time. Now they're doing two pay-per-views, so I don't know. Tony Khan is a psychopath and not in a good way. Yeah, Regina is in Saskatchewan. Um, 
And yeah, that is uh, not the easiest place to uh, get to. I mean, I guess at least they're doing it in like the summer where if they were doing it in like Regina, Saskatchewan in the winter, it'd be like, you know, negative 20 degrees probably. But yeah, I mean, why? I, I mean, I get it. Yeah. You know, like you said, like if WWE's going to do a tour of Canada, they'll do like a Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa loop. And then four months later, they'll go to the western side of Canada. They'll do like a Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver loop or something like that. You don't just spend all this time in Canada. And I can just imagine how much it sucks for the wrestlers, considering you got to figure they're not staying in Canada this whole time. So they got to, you know, they're in Canada for what, two days. They go back home and they got to fly back through customs and then, you know, go back to customs again when they're going to Canada. It just seems like a giant pain in the ass for it to go through for a travel, like when you're in the Canada this whole time. Just not smart, of course, unless unless you're crossing the border by car at like Toronto or like in Niagara Falls where you can just pass with an enhanced license. But I think this is a New York thing. But yeah, it just seems like a pain in the ass for a wrestler to do travel wise unless you're actually spending three months in Canada, which I know they are because I see a lot of these AEW uh, wrestlers at conventions signing autographs, etc. So obviously they're not doing that. But yeah, that is going to be our show for this week. Caught up here in the world of WWE and AEW, and we will be back next Sunday to do the same. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off, and we will talk to you then.